So I was, I was getting things together and I said, you know, I came across a message online and it was just amazing. I said, I, I have one of those moments when I'm feeling like I should just say, watch this. Because <laughs> there's nothing I can really say to improve on it. And, um, and it comes from a unique perspective. So with the wonders of technology, we are going to watch actually parts of two different messages uh, brought by two different moms. And uh, I believe they can speak to every person here. And then I'll kind of interject a little bit here and there. Is that okay? Yeah. Good. I'm going to do it anyway. I just hope it's okay, right? So would you look into your program and take out the outline? Because we've sort of tried to coordinate this whole message plan today. And on the outline, there are two different scripture passages. The first one is from Isaiah, Old Testament, chapter 49, uh, where God compares his love to a mother's love. And, you know, there are people every once in a while you say, well, God's love is like a mother's love. And they're like, well, God's my father. Don't give me any of that mother business. Well, it was God's idea, not mine. Okay. God is not afraid to compare his love to that of a mother. And I'm, I'm glad. I'm blessed by that. And so do we have that scripture? Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. This is God speaking. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Wow. Wow, what a, what a prophetic reference to the cross. And God saying, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. We think of the wounds of Jesus Christ to express God's love for us. So I'd like you to listen for a few minutes to Nancy Ortberg. Nancy is married to John Ortberg, who's pastor of Menlo Church in uh, the Bay Area of California. And uh, she's a pastor in her own right, a very gifted uh, Christian speaker. And she's the CEO of a Christian charitable organization trying to make a difference in the Bay Area for Jesus. And very much in the tone of our Serve Our City emphasis, she leads that ministry. And she speaks... Um, using this scripture as the background, and it begins with the story of the birth of one of her children. And friends, I can't tell you a story like that. <laughs> I'm like, ah, I got nothing to add to that one. So let's start with her story, and then we'll pick it up in just a minute. Nancy Hortberg. And then, as Laura was getting ready just about an hour before I was giving birth to her, the doctor realized that she was turned the wrong way and her head, the skull of her head was actually pushing into my back. So he decided he would reach inside and turn her around. So I let out this loud scream. John's doing everything he can to calm me down. Nothing is working. And in that moment when I pushed her out, probably because there was also an incredible relief from the pain going on, but in that moment I met a human being that I had never met before who had done absolutely nothing for me except give me a lot of pain. <laughs> and I was smitten. I could hardly speak with how much I loved this little creature and never in my life up till then had I experienced anything like that. I think the third thing that I said to my husband after Laura was born is I said I would kill for her. And John said, no, moms are supposed to say you would die for her. I said, I'm not dying for her. If I die for her, then she'll be an orphan. I will kill for her. 
just totally undone by my heart exploding from the inside out and leaving it in smithereens. When Laura was just a baby, every once in a while I would hear John's Volkswagen pull into the driveway and he would just run in and greet me, come into the nursery, look in the crib, look at her, and then go back to work. We were smitten. My mom came over one day when Laura was just a few days old to watch her so I could actually take a shower and go out and run some errands and I was so excited to get out of the house. And as soon as I got out of the house, I stood in line at the bank and there was an old lady in front of me and I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, I just had a baby. She's thinking like, great, did you know this is a bank? I just could hardly stop thinking about her. Just a few minutes ago in the service, you saw a series of Bible verses come up. And one of them, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15, the prophet is trying to explain to the children of Israel how much God loves them because they haven't understood it well. And Isaiah uses the picture of a woman nursing her child and says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? So it's a little bit like a Saturday Night Live skit, like a mom with a nursing baby who would look down all of a sudden and be surprised. Oh my gosh, what's this baby doing here? And God is using almost ludicrous language. And he, the Bible will do this in certain places. Job uses the same tactic. Just a ludicrous picture of, do you think it's possible for a nursing mother to forget how much she loves her baby? As ludicrous as that seems, Isaiah goes on to say, even if that were the case, even if that were possible, even then God could not forget how much he loves you. And motherhood, like the video showed when Sylvia talked about, motherhood, God has used me to understand and shape me in some of the most significant and profound ways ever. But also, any of you that have ever loved anything or anybody, you know that the flip side of love is this vulnerability and pain because now all of a sudden, something that you love so much, you have the chance of being wounded by it. And that is a very real possibility. And that is just the nature of love. I can be devastated and this person has the power to absolutely destroy me. Like any of you that have been a parent, John and I had a time when we were at Disneyland with the kids and our middle daughter, Mallory, wandered away. My mom was with us. Each one of us had responsibility for a kid. My mom was watching Mallory and she came over to me frantic and said, Mallory and I were watching Chip and Dale and all of a sudden I can't find Mallory. And I knew wherever Chip and Dale were, that's where Mallory was. It took us about seven or eight minutes to find her. And when I told this story last night at the service, I could still feel remnants physically inside of me of the tightness and the panic I felt. At one point, John came over to try to calm me down and put his hands on my shoulder and he said, what do you want me to do? And I said, with a few words that I can't repeat here, I want you to close down the park. <laughs> I want you and everybody in it to do whatever it takes to find my child. In 2 Samuel, verse 14, there is this wonderful and obscure little verse. I've never heard anybody do an entire sermon on it. It's just tucked away, and it has such a richness of meaning. And it says, God does not take away life, but rather he devises ways so that a banished person may not remain estranged from him. 
This Bible verse explains to us the devious nature of God. The way that our estrangement from him and the space in between him and us causes him so much pain, he will go to whatever lengths he can to keep thinking up ways to bridge that gap. Thinking that caused him to come up finally with the idea of his only son. And I felt those words in my body in Disneyland. I will devise ways to find her. And when we found her standing all by herself, crying her little eyes out, I scooped her up and held her so close to me and whispered in her ear, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Five minutes later and some cotton candy, she was fine. I can still feel in my body the way I felt when I lost her. Because here's the truth. When I became a mom, a love of a different kind came to live in my house. And initially, it lived in a crib. And it was out to change who I was. The way that I thought about God's love in absolutely no way resembled the way I felt about my kids. And God, I believe, was starting to show me, you don't get it. Because to be honest with you, most of my life, I felt like God was kind of distant and often disappointing in me. I felt like sometimes he was angry. And then I had my children, and I experienced a whole different kind of love that even when they were doing nothing of meaning or significance to this world, when they were just in play, it delighted me. And I think God began to whisper, might you consider the fact that this is a small reflection of how I feel about you. Hmm. Consider the fact that parenting is a small reflection of how God feels about you. And, uh, and I was listening to Nancy tell that story. I've told it here, I think. I believe Nancy and I lost our son when we were climbing on Mount St. Helens, and we had this very <laughs> scary time while we were looking for him. And... Uh, the only difference in that story is that when I found him, I both hugged him and schooled him at the same time. You know what I mean? In fact, I think I told him that from then on he would be a sermon illustration. <laughs> that, uh, that I would tell the story of the day he got lost and how, how it felt to my heart to go searching for him. And I just thought today would be a great day to remember how much God really loves us and to think about how we responded to that love. On the outline, there's like four different steps that are listed there. What do you do with God's love? A love like Nancy Ortberg just described. Well, I believe the first thing you should do, God wants us to do, is to receive his love. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to those he gave the right or the power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. So... God loves us with an everlasting love, with a mother-like love, with this amazing love. But the right thing to do is to welcome his love, to open your life to his love. His love is one prayer away from changing you from the inside out. And the first thing we do, if you haven't done it already, is to receive his love. The second thing is to embrace his love. And I, th I think I, I'm always sad when I meet somebody and I ask them about their spiritual journey and they immediately say, well, when I was 16 years old, I prayed a prayer in church and I asked Jesus into my life, period. 
I haven't done anything else about it, right? I, I, I'm not sure what to do next, in fact. I, I believe I am a Christian. I believe I have received his love, but I haven't done anything with his love since then. Scripture says we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. We should be passionate in our thinking, in our praying, in our serving, in our, the work that we do. Everything we do should reflect how much we love God back. And so receiving his love is where it starts, but embracing and living in God's love every day is where it goes next. Receiving, embracing, enjoying. <laughs> I liked that part of what, what Nancy said about, you know, just watching your children playing and feeling joy in that. Um, I, I think sometimes as children of our Heavenly Father, we lose track of the fact that He just takes delight in us. And for those times when you feel a little driven, <laughs> Like you have to do more and you have to jump higher and you have to try harder to make him happy. There are those moments when you just say, God, I love you and I thank you that you love me. And I rest in your love and I rejoice in your love. Receive, embrace, enjoy, embody. Um, I've got to think about being a mom is a, a challenging and busy uh, aspect of life. You, you do a lot to be a mom. You get your, you get your hands dirty. Uh, next week when our church serves in this community, our goal is to be the hands and feet of Jesus to practically demonstrate God's love. And I don't know about you, but there are times when my faith needs that, okay? I need to get out and do something practical to embody the love of God to somebody else. So let me ask you, God loves you with an everlasting love. He will never forget you. He has written your name on his hands. Have you received it? Have you embraced it? Have you embodied it? Have you enjoyed it? Whatever God wants for you today is that next step. We're going to get to the final part of our message through another Nancy. Her name is Nancy Beach. Nancy is a pastor in the Chicago area. And uh, she tells another story based on another passage. If you have your Bible or you have your outline, or I think we can put it up on the screen. She talks about the story of Moses. And... Um, We release our children into God's hands. Exodus chapter 2. Uh, this is talking about Moses' mother. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw how wonderful the baby was. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting phrase? When she saw how wonderful her baby was, she hid him for three months. And then she couldn't hide him anymore. A three-month-old gets to be a little noisy, right? A little, uh, little more activity. But after three months, she was not able to hide the baby any longer. So she got a basket made of reeds and covered it with tar so that it would float. She put the baby in the basket. Then she put the basket among the tall stalks of grass in the edge of the Nile River. Anybody ever heard this story before? 
It's a great story. Uh, Moses' mother's name was Jochebed. It isn't told in this passage, but it is elsewhere. And his sister's name was Miriam, and Miriam was sent to watch him. And we'll let Nancy Beach tell us the rest of the story. Let's watch. Now, the tradition of the Jews, this is not stated in Scripture, but it's quite possibly true, is that Pharaoh's daughter had no children of her own, maybe couldn't even have children. And so later, when she adopted Moses, she was able to give him uh, much authority. He became as, as though he were her very own son. So Pharaoh's daughter dares to go up against her father, the king, and she decides to save this child. And then Miriam, this young girl, has a magical moment. She is so smart. She goes up and sweetly says, would you like me to find one of the Hebrew women who could maybe nurse this baby? She doesn't say anything about it being her mother, but who do you think she went and asked? So on the very day that Moses' mother takes that courageous step of releasing, letting go of her baby, the very same day, she's holding him in her arms again, and she's nursing him. And Pharaoh's daughter doesn't know that it's the real mother, and she offers to pay her. So she's getting paid for the one thing in the world she would most want to do. I'm sure she didn't happen to mention that. She said, oh, okay. So she's getting paid. Well, God's rest of the story goes on from there. Eventually, Moses was raised in the courts of Pharaoh. He received the best possible education, and he was equipped then to one day be a leader and deliverer of the entire nation of Israel. I can't help but think of the verse in Isaiah that declares this. God is talking. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When the mother of Moses let go of her son, she didn't have any idea about the rest of the story, but she let go anyway. Nothing in her wildest imagination could have told her what God had thought up. She simply had to release her son into the river of trust. So this story begs a question, I think, of you and me. What do I need to let go of? What do you need to let go of? We go through life holding tightly our grip. What do we need to release? What is God nudging you to release? Is it time for you and me to release something into the river of trust and see what God's rest of the story might look like? There's many different examples of what we could let go of, as many as there are in the room today. But because it's Mother's Day, I want to start by talking to moms and to dads for a few moments. If you're not a parent, be patient. Uh, there may be something helpful for you here as well. You know, parenting is both a grand adventure, for sure, and an awesome responsibility. And I don't know a single mom or dad who thinks that we get it right all the time, how to do it well. It can be very helpful to remind ourselves of the ultimate goal as we seek to raise these little people. Children who will flourish, children who will love God and other people, and hopefully children who will display strong character and make a contribution to the world. Nancy goes on, and we're going to go so to the So my question for all of us today. All right. Nancy goes on. What do you need to release into the river of trust? If you can imagine this basket and say, God, what is it you're asking me to loosen my grip on, to surrender to you, and to release, to let go of? 
And by the way, for most of us, whatever it is that we struggle with gripping, it's not a one-time thing, is it? It's a daily surrender. So I'm going to give you some possibilities of what God might be prompting you to let go of. Maybe for you, it's a sense of control. For those of us who are controlling, who want the schedule to be what it is, who want the plans to be what it is, who want to manipulate and control other people to follow our program, letting go of that is so challenging. Say, God, I want you to be in control. Help me release this relentless desire to control everything. Or maybe for you, and this is a big one for moms and dads, it's perfectionism. Perfectionism in the home or perfectionism on the job. But this standard that we set, it's so high that it's, we could never reach it. We could never be good enough. And maybe God's just saying, you've got to accept my grace and not be so hard on yourself and let that perfectionism go. For others of us, I think it has to do with fear. We're anxious. And if you're a parent, there's a lot to be afraid of as you raise children. Every time they walk out of the house, there's just that little catch in your spirit. God says, will you trust me? Will you trust me with them? Will you trust me to be the one who's watching over them? Will you stop being tortured by your fear and be free of that and see that I am a refuge? I'm a very present help in trouble. I'm holding you in the palm of my hand, and I'm holding your children in the palm of my hand, and I need you to trust me. Another big one for moms and for many others is comparison and envy. I know when I was a young mom, I thought everybody else was doing it better than me. I'd look at other moms and I'd think, it looks like this comes so naturally to you. How do you even know how to be in that moment? And I would think every mom was somehow better. And I want to say something to moms today. You are exactly the mother that your children needs. The precise way that you're wired is what your children need. And it's good enough. That's a phrase that we hardly ever know how to say, but it's true. It's good enough. You show up with your best every day. You love that little one as best you know how. And you let go of this envy and comparison and looking over your shoulder to see how some other mom is doing it. For some of us, it's letting go of guilt. You ever heard of mom guilt? It's a disease, you know, all the mistakes that we remember making, but everybody can wrestle with this. Something in your past that you're ashamed of and you're not quite sure God's grace is big enough for, you willing to let that go, release it, find the freedom, the unbelievable freedom there is in God's forgiveness where he wipes the slate clean and he says, I don't even remember anymore. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your sins. Well, good stuff. Good stuff. So when I got to this point in the message, I was like, it's a plan. Nancy Yorkberg, Nancy Beach, and Nancy Teal. And uh, <laughs> because... I happen to know what an incredible mom Nancy has been and still is, and um, she has actually done the basket thing. And, uh, and I thought, wow, I, it would be just really cool if you'd share a little bit of that story with us. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I didn't know about Nancy Beach's story, um, so when Glenn asked me to share this, I thought, wow, it's kind of interesting that God would put something together like that. About eight years ago, 
Our son, who is in Michigan at the time, and his family, was in transition between jobs, and uh, we were in Washington State. And he was no longer a baby, he was 30. And the fact that I was a mother, loved him, from time he was a baby to adulthood, you feel fretful when the job is no longer there and the new job has not come. And you wonder, what do you do now? And you worry. Now the Bible tells us not to worry, but the reason it tells us that because we worry. And so I remember the story of Jacobeth, Moses' mother. And I don't know if it was devotions time or it just came to me. I don't remember at all. But I thought of when she put um, baby Moses in that river, in the Nile River, because they were all babies, all the boy babies were going to be killed. There were too many Israelites. And they were, the Egyptians were afraid they were going to take over. So she put him in a basket. Well, she was trusting God. And I felt like, God, I feel helpless. I'm fretful. I don't even know what to do. But then I realized, well, I've got a basket. So I pulled my basket out. And I set it on our coffee table in Spokane. And I got a picture. And Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can't. I keep fretting and keep worrying. So I put him in the basket. He was there for about five months. Nothing I could do, but if you help me, just trust God. God, I just put him in this basket, in this river, and I am going to trust you. Did it happen overnight? No. Didn't happen in a week. It was about five months. Then he got a phone call from Kalamazoo College offering him a job. He loves it. And wonderful blessings and wonderful benefits. And we are just so happy that God put that exact thing together at that exact time. It was just a matter of waiting and trusting in an almighty God that loved us, loved our son, and had not forgotten. So I don't know if you are in any situation right now that you need a basket. You know, I don't bring this out all the time. I've never brought the basket out since. I don't know why. I've never felt necessarily inspired. That was something unusual. But I remember sharing the story with my Bible study group in Spokane. And some of them were going through some hard times. They said, can you get a basket out? So if you have something big you're struggling with, it's not like I go to the store and I'm going to decide if I'm going to get chicken or beef. No, it's not that. You have something big. Maybe you need to get a basket out. And put your child and trust God in the river. Work for me. Hmm. Thank you, dear. Powerful. I think she's the best preacher in the morning right there. Right. So, so let's stand, and the worship team is going to come. And there's uh, on that list right there, what Nancy just challenged us all, is to release family members who are in a difficult place, okay? So maybe that's you today. Or she also talked about releasing control. Sometimes you can't control other people. Perfectionism, you know, your own tendency to want everything to be just perfect and for you to be perfect. And then fear and anxiety, you know, we need to let these things go and give them to God. Comparison and envy and finally guilt. So would you pray with me? 
Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who holds us in your hands, those nail-pierced hands. You have written our names on your hands. You love us so much. And when we're in circumstances and situations that are beyond our control, you teach us to turn them over to you, to release them into your care. And so today, if our children or grandchildren or some member of our family is in a trying and difficult place, and we wish we could solve it and fix it, but that's not our role. We trust them to you. Help us to pray. Help us to seek your wisdom and grace. And let us release them into the flow of your love. And Lord, you know each of these other inner struggles that many of us have. The struggles with comparing how we've done it with how other people do it. The, the struggle with fear and anxiety. The struggle with guilt over the past. We lay it down. We let it go. We give it to you right now today. Lord, help us to pray this prayer. Lord, the thing that bothers me most right now, the biggest issue in my life right now, I release it to you. Whether If it needs forgiveness, Lord, forgive. If I need strength, God, give me the strength. If I need wisdom, Lord, give me the wisdom. But I trust in you. I give it to you. I give myself to you. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. Thank you that you are the God we can trust, no matter what. So in Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Let's remain standing and let's close with a little more of that song.